Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. 6.30, Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio. 6.30, Chad. Our number two of a three-hour edition of Oilers Now. We're going three hours the rest of this week, uh, and then we'll resume back to our two-hour coverage. I'm going to stay with you for most of until at least the middle of July and get us through free agency. Bob Stoffer with you. Uh, Brendan Escott and Derek Scott helping out. Uh, we will tell you that guests on the show receive gift uh, cards to Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite teppanyaki steak restaurant. You can come in and check out their new location at 3975 Calgary Trail Dawn in the staff at Japanese Village. Uh, the second hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by World of Spas as we head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline for our friends at Wow Factor Desserts. Help yourself to irresistible dessert delights at their new retail location, 3508 56th Avenue in Edmonton, or click on wowfactordesserts.com. We welcome back to the show the former general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, he started Octagon's player agency, uh, the number one pick of the 1983 NHL draft, uh, and in, in his own way, a, a man that's plugged in at the management level, Brian Lawton joins us right now. Hi, Brian. How you doing? Doing fantastic, Bob. Am I, am I ever going to get any of this wow factor dessert? Are you going to be sending that to me, or how is that going to work? Uh, I can talk to Colin Ruddle for you, and we can coordinate. Uh, I'm sure we could find a way to make that happen. Outstanding. Well, please tell Colin that. I would love to. I might have to come up there. I was hoping to do that this year in at least the conference final or the finals, but obviously that is not going to work out now. All right. Well, if I recall two weeks ago, you were on the show, and you said, that if and it at the time it kind of was like well you know the Oilers looked they had a real good second half went 14 0 1 final 15 games gave up two number ones in a deal to get Matthias Ekholm albeit Ekholm for three more years what a fit he is and you said Bob I would have done even more to have gone for it uh, now in full disclosure Brian I went on the air on Monday and said. You know what? If if I'm the Oilers, uh, I'm going in. You know what? Deep here, I'm 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 moving multiple using draft capital this year, potentially to move a contract out, potentially to acquire a pending UFA from another team if need be, and certainly willing to move a, a number one plus a good prospect or even a, a current uh, prospect for the Oilers that's a, a former number one uh, to to get a, a player I need. So. You, you you just felt like Edmonton needed to go even further than they did at the deadline. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, there's always a wish list. You know, I understand what their issues were. They they really didn't have a ton of cap space. There certainly was a lot of talk about them even adding one more player. I know they took a hard look at it. It didn't work out in the end. It would have been cap gymnastics. And uh, really the point I was trying to make is that when you have a team as good as the Edmonton Oilers, and the way it worked out this year, it couldn't have worked out any more beautifully in terms of some really elite teams dropping out. Yeah, Some of the few teams that I actually consider having a better chance of winning than them actually lost. So it was wide open. But uh, it's, it's a season 
the planning for next year, get back to where they finish this year and go beyond, starts right now. Starts with your capologist. Starts with mapping out how are we going to have room to add the guys that we'll need to add if we want to go on a deep playoff run. I felt like they made great moves at the deadline with Ekholm and Bukestad. Both those guys added a ton, and the team played great. Unfortunately, in the playoffs, it's still another level. They needed a little bit more. I've read every conspiracy theory, every reason why the Oilers didn't make it. There's truth to a lot of different things. But in the end, um, a little more might have gotten them over the hump. And that's why next year when we're talking about this at this time, I believe that they'll have a deeper lineup. I believe they'll make some changes to the existing group. And I think they're going to learn as an organization and they're going to be in the finals next year. Not the conference finals, but the finals. Is it too simple to look at the fact that Stuart Skinner was at 914 in the regular season and was sub-900 in the two playoff series against L.A.? And Vegas, the order survived the series against L.A., but couldn't survive the series against Vegas. Like, and that's a reflection on team defense. But at the end of the day, you got to get the saves. And sometimes rookie goaltenders have problems with the step up at the NHL uh, playoffs provide. Yes, they do. And there'll be another challenge next year for, for Stewart coming back. And, you know, he should be the number one goalie. Um, it's a journey as you're trying to make that transition. First, you're coming from the minors, then you're a backup, then you kind of get the net, but you still got a veteran behind you, and then eventually you are the guy. So there's a whole process there. Ken Holland knows this. Um, it's tough to change their goaltending now with what they have on the books. There's no real easy solution. You won't be able to move Jack Campbell right now. He's going to have to rehabilitate his value before that could happen. They have a fair amount tied up in goaltenders for a team that has a fair amount tied up in their top players. So, you know, that's going to be one of those challenges that you sit down now and say, how are we going to tackle this? This is when the work actually gets done. And it's really incumbent upon the Oilers, and they've got a great staff. Ken Holland's been around forever, but he's going to have to sit down, solicit all the ideas he can, and then come up with the right decisions to lead this team next year. And I, I do believe that next year the Edmonton Oilers will be in the finals. And it's not easy to say that, Bob, because Colorado is going to regroup. Yes. And they still have a hell of a team. But they're going to come back stronger next year as well. Brian Lawton for our friends at Wow Factor Desserts. Uh, You said Stuart Skinner is the number one goaltender. Uh, He never started more than six straight games in the regular season. Got 12 straight starts in the playoffs. Pulled four times. And and unfortunately for fans in oil country, pulled in games five and game six. Uh, against Vegas when the series was tied 2-2. Is it a meritocracy next fall? Like Ken Holland just stated, his expectation is that Jack Campbell will will be way better next year or will be better next season. I thought Jack Campbell looked sharp when he went in there. Now there was no pressure when he went in there. He didn't have the pressure of having to start a game. Uh, I think you can make an argument that I, I know they had dialogue as to whether or not they go with Skinner or Campbell in Game 6, but should it be an open competition next fall, or is Skinner the de facto number one? I think he's the de facto number one, but you know there's still going to be competition. And Jack Campbell is a guy that's had to come from the back of the pack just to get to where he is, so I don't think it's going to ruin his world. Uh, obviously, he would have liked to have been the starter coming in. It didn't work out. 
this was a big opportunity for him. He didn't execute the way I'm sure he knows he can. But one thing about Jack Campbell is he runs very hot and very cold. And we saw that in Toronto. He had some spectacular numbers over the end of his last season there. Yeah. He had some horrific numbers in the middle of that season before that stretch. So you just have to understand that. The Oilers should know that. They knew what they were getting when they signed him. And uh, they had to go to Skinner, and he delivered. But next year, coming back in, he will have a chance to retake the number one job. But it should be Jack Campbell will, I mean. But it should be Stuart Skinner. It's by how he performed. And uh, I don't say that lightly because when you have a veteran and a younger guy still in the infancy of his career, there's always a little bit of hesitation to do that. But I do think that's the way the, the players will be looking at it. That's the way the coaching staff will be looking at it. It'll still be up to them on the ice to figure it out, though. All right. One of the things that surprised me was, you know, Darnell Nurse is, and, and Cody Cece had some that, – that pairing last year – was pretty good. Now, they did play a lot with Connor McDavid. It should be stated that, that they spent a fair amount of time with McDavid uh, and ultimately Drysaddle and either Hyman or Kane, depending upon who Jay Woodcroft had in the Calgary and Colorado series with those guys. Um, they struggled. The Oilers made a little bit of a tactical switch, a little bit, in terms of how they defended in their own zone. It was mostly three-on-three, three and they kept their two wingers up high in the point men. Uh, were you surprised Nurse and CeCe had the challenges they did against Vegas? Because it was, you know, minus six, minus seven uh, for those guys head-to-head. And that was a big difference between the two teams was the 5v5 play. It's another one of those items that you put into the pot and you try to go to work on. But, yes, they did struggle. It's clear that the way they were playing D did not match up well for those particular two guys. And yes, it was a surprise because, you know, Darnell Nurse at a nine and a quarter million dollar player, you know, the expectations that come with that type of pay are high. You expect him to carry his partner even in a situation like that. But what we found out is that as you move upstream in your journey to try to make it to the finals, the competition gets tougher and tougher and tougher. Vegas has a lot of guys that are 60 point players. They play all of them. They just kept coming. They kept getting better. And Edmonton, you know, conversely, and another thing you'd put into the pot is they played their top guys a tremendous amount, yeah, whether it was their top decor or their top forwards, and it started to wear on them. That's a reflection of really what my thesis is, was you need to be deeper to go further. Leon Dry said it was amazing, but he was out of gas. Ryan Nugent Hopkins looked like he was out of gas a bit. Darnell Nurse did not play the level you expect. They've got to continue to build their depth. You may not be able to do that right away in a salary cap world. Those are just the vagrancies that come with it. But if you have a plan and that planning starts now, you see a lot of teams are making adjustments at the deadline. They know they have a good enough team to make the playoffs. Edmonton Oilers have a good enough team to win the Pacific next year. But they, if they want to go deeper and the salary cap doesn't allow them, they're going to have to have a plan to get guys in at the end to strengthen their lineup so they can make it through this phase where they failed. Darnell Nurse minus six. Uh, Cody Cece minus seven against Vegas. Uh, Yamamoto finished minus six. He, uh, he's, you know, he, he suffered the whiplash hit last year from Landis Skog. I don't know if he's ever been the same since. Some guys will tell you takes, you know, a full year to get over concussion issues. What would you do there with Yamamoto? $3.1 million cap hit. 
you have a thing, uh, one-third buyout for a player of his age. Um, would there be a market for Connor Yamamoto out there for a trade, do you think? I would be shocked if the club wasn't investigating that now. And it's not, I, I told you this at the start of the season. He's the one piece that didn't fit with their group because the cap hit is more than he's able to deliver right now. I think he's an excellent young player that has a very bright future. But at $3.1 million and where their team is at right now, without really a, a spot in the top six, it was going to be a challenge to get value out of him. And why, why do I say that? Because it makes your roster inefficient. When you have people that are overpaid in certain positions for what they're able to deliver, then it's really a challenge to build your team the way you want. I'm certain the Oilers know this. I'm certain that they'll look at every contingency as to how they could potentially move him. They'd love to get an asset back. Everybody would think as a former first-round pick that'll happen. It may happen. You just have to find that team that has affinity an affinity for him. If you do, it'll work out really well. If you don't, you have to go through your progressions of what your plans are. And one of those plans at the nuclear level ends up where you potentially buy him out just for the cap space. I really felt like the Oilers came up just a little short last year and that they held on to Jesse Pugliarvi forever, a guy that you would like to think if you watch the games, contrary to the analytics community, he was not going to be able to contribute to Edmonton at the level you'd like. Another guy with a pretty high salary in the salary cap world, not getting productivity out of him, makes your roster inefficient. If it, you know They solved that, but they gave away a lot of cap space in doing it because the time it took, they need to try to avoid that with Yamamoto. And he's a good player. He's going to play in the NHL. But right now for the Edmonton Oilers, it should be about championships. They have that quality of the team. Ken Holland, his record is spectacular since he's been there. We all know where he's averaged in his finish. Um, they just have to turn it up another level to get to that promised land. Yeah, were you surprised at what Bouchard did in the playoffs this year, Brian? Um, I've always been a huge fan of Evan. He's just one of the most athletic human beings you'll ever see playing a game of hockey. He's not just good at hockey. He's good at anything you put in his hands. You want to see him hit a golf ball, hit a baseball, you name it. So he hit a higher level faster than I thought he would, but I'm not surprised. He just has that type of athleticism, and it was a brilliant move by Ken Holland. You know, there was a big, I'm sure it was a big debate in their staff. It should have been. Tyson Berry was very well liked. He ran some pretty good numbers for them. Everybody knows he struggled defensively for them as well, but it wasn't easy for them to move him out. And in the end, they made an incredible trade, getting Ekholm back, getting him out, opening the door for Evan to step up and finally hit all this promise that he had was just a really genius move by by the staff there. Quick hitters for you. We had Bukestad and Derek Ryan in here yesterday. Uh, both right shots, Nick 6'6". Six, six. Realistically, what you, uh, you know, he's with your your former firm that you started Octagon with Ben Hankinson. What would make you know? I got the sense that he certainly appreciated the opportunity and saw that he could win here. Is there a range that makes sense for him on an extension? From the club's perspective, yes. From his perspective, it'll be different. The way to bridge that is probably through term. 
it's been you know it's been a rough road for him in terms of the contracts he signed the last couple of years. You have a player that was making almost four point two million on a six year deal. Not uncommon in the National Hockey League for guys to gyrate in their value, but he came down to that nine hundred range the last couple of years. That's a big difference. So he's going to look to try to make more money, but at the same time, the certainty of being with a group that he likes, you know, the fair level for club and player is probably between 1.4 and 1.7 with some term. Um, As you crest the level where you can bury a contract, it becomes more of a challenge for the club to swallow. I thought Nick played really well for them. I think he adds a lot for them. I'd love to see those two parties work it out. I think they both would benefit long-term. Uh, I do know Nick. I played with his brother's brother, uh, excuse me, his dad's brother, Scott Bugstad, and he's just a real quality kid, so I hope it works out. I hope he comes back. I have not asked Ben Hankinson, who I am very friendly with all the guys at Octagon to this day. Yeah, uh, Derek Ryan, I mean, he's 36. He just wants to go where the team wins. His best chance might be here. It's crazy. A 36-year-old scores 13 goals, never plays in the top six, and goes plus nine with, you know, one of the roughest uh, D-zone start metrics of any of the Oilers forwards there is. He had a pretty good year, didn't he? He had a terrific year. This one is a challenge. I love Derek Ryan and how he plays and what he brings to the game and his veteran presence, but also his ability to still execute. He is he is older than his body should be because he got a late start in the NHL, obviously. Um, The challenge there is how much can Edmonton improve, particularly in that bottom six, which affects Derek Ryan. And depending on how much they can, because there's a lot of players that are getting left out in the cold right now. That's just what the salary cap is doing. So that's a challenge, but they should find a spot for him, in my opinion. The money may not match up if Derek's looking for the most money. I would say he probably can get it somewhere else than Edmonton. I do think there's a team that would recognize the value he brought out there. If he wants to stay with Edmonton, though, I think he's in single digits at best. think, you know, high sevens to mid nines. That's just where it's at. The Oilers, you know, these are the tough decisions you have to make because you know he was good. Yeah. Yeah, you know he was good, but he's going to have to. The Oilers are going to be on a mission, in my opinion, to really improve their depth so that they can get through a series against a team like Vegas. All right, final one for you. All in, doesn't matter about draft capital. I mean, even if you have to move a... That's, I'll just throw a name out there. Let's say they want to improve the right side of their defense and they want to go get Severson. If you're New Jersey, they've got a couple of young D-man coming. they got Hamilton and Marino. Uh, they're, they're, you know, so they're going to work in Hughes. They're going to work in Nemich. And so a guy like, can, can, do you think New Jersey has an example, given how limited the UFA market is this year, do you think they could get a pick for his rights? Yes, I, I do think Jersey will get a pick for his rights. I do think there's a number of teams. Winnipeg's been rumored to have interest already. There are some other clubs yep. out there that are looking at him. Damon had a really great year. I mean, he kind of got over the hump this year. A lot of people have been undecided on him. He proved He's a good puck-moving D. He's not an all-star player, but his transition game is strong. His defense was rock-solid this year. Some of the areas he struggled in the past. Now, lo and behold, it coincided with New Jersey becoming a better hockey team. That is the challenge. you got to go out and find guys that, yeah. you know, Damon Seamerson will be tougher to do right now because he proved it. 
And if you can't get him, you've got to scour the league and find the teams that had players that didn't perform up to their level because they're not necessarily going to carry their partner, but they're capable of playing on a winning team and contributing in a meaningful way. That is, again, what should be happening with Edmonton right now in their meetings is, you know, they're, they're really not having him now. There's still some scouting going on, but that'll be happening certainly pretty quickly here as you get ready for what are you going to do to improve your club next year. Who's got the best uh, final question for Brian Lawton for Wild Factors Desserts? Brian, of the four teams remaining, who's the best team? Carolina Hurricanes. Okay. Love it. Love the succinct answer as well. Thank you for joining us on Oilers Now, and we'll reach out to Colin and coordinate something for you. The shipment's on the way. Awesome. Thank you, Bob. You bet. That is Brian Lawton. It's 125 at Edmonton, and you're listening to Oilers Now. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Keeping your office running like a well-oiled power play. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 127 in Edmonton. Welcome back everybody. Bob Stoffer in Rogers Place. Nice district. It's time for Protect the Net. Brought to you by Solve Cyber Security. You can stay ahead of cyber threats with the team that you can trust. Visit Solve that's S-O-1-B-E dot I-O. Hugh Porter and the gang at Solve Cyber Security. While well, protecting the net next year, Stuart Skinner went 29-14-3 at 2.73 goals against average, 9-14 save percentage in the regular season, signing a three-year extension at $2.6 million. Jack Campbell next year, uh, he will be in year two of a five-year deal at $5 million. He was 21-9-4 at 3.41 goals against average, 8.88 save percentage. Oilers need both those guys going. They need to do a better job defensively. It's this simple. The last two years, they've been 18 and 17 in goals against. Got to get into the top 10. They get into the top 10 with the way this team can score. That uh, They can certainly go on a longer run than they did this season. It ended too quickly. And uh, Ken Holland saying today, uh, his players are devastated. The fans are devastated. The players are devastated for the fans. David Staples is coming up at 135. Uh, he'll be our Oilers Now headliner today for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update. Randy Kilburn.